0: What if you could change your life and help change the world at the same time? Hi, I'm Stephanie James, host of The Spark on NOCO FM. Join me and some of the most important people in psychology, spirituality, and science for a very special event, The Spark Summit, October 26, 2019 at the Drake Center in Fort Collins, Colorado. Together, we'll learn how to heal ourselves using the latest breakthroughs and self-improvement with interactive keynotes from luminaries such as Jacob Lieberman, Misa Hopkins, Larry Dossie, and many more. Ignite your own spark of hope to illuminate a journey towards living your best life. Join me at the Spark Summit, October 26, 2019, at the Drake Center in Fort Collins, Colorado. Tickets and more information at thesparksummit2019.com. That's the Spark Summit 2019. Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not
1: the same old thing, different, different.
2: This is NOCO FM.
0: Everything you say, everything you think, and every decision you make are actually creating the things that manifest in your life. Your entire life is your prayer, according to Sam Beasley and B.J. Gallagher. Sam Beasley is our guest tonight. His book is called Your Life is Your Prayer. Wake up to the spiritual power in everything that you do. Sam Beasley is a successful businessman, entrepreneur who uses spiritual principles to establish and build and run his businesses. He's a charismatic speaker and dynamic workshop leader whose mission is to share what he's learned so that others may become successful and fulfilled as well. Tonight on The Spark, we'll learn about how the universe always says yes, and how we can choose new thoughts, new conversations, and create a new life for ourselves. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. I have absolutely enjoyed reading your book and just finding so many treasures inside of it. And Sam's book is Your Life is Your Prayer. Wake up to the spiritual power in everything you do. Co-written by VJ Gallagher. So Sam, tell me about what in your personal journey led you to write this book.
2: I haven't always been somebody who prayed consciously. I had a couple of decades of uh, prayers that I would not choose to pray anymore. But somewhere, I'm guessing around 1990, I began to regularly incorporate prayer almost unknowingly, and and I didn't realize it until the second plane hit the tower on 9-11. And in that moment, my ability to think an encouraging thought vanished. And I mean, and in the absence of it, I realized how important and consistent prayer had been for me only when it vanished. And, uh, and um, you know, it was quite a loss to go from probably the happiest man I knew to couldn't come up with a single good thought. And um, I, I couldn't come up with it. That's so. true that I had to start borrowing thoughts from other people. And and I started writing them down because in the moments I needed them, I couldn't remember them. And uh, so I was carrying pieces of paper with thoughts on it, uh, sometimes as simple as uh, maybe life really does work out. Yeah. And maybe became a very important word to me. And then Just any time I heard somebody say anything that felt encouraging, I would jot it down. And the list that I was carrying got longer and longer and longer. And uh, I would – this was before smartphones, but I think somewhere in that time I got a palm trio. Remember those palm trios? They were personal personal data assistants. And uh, so it was a digital calendar, and I could – set a little bell at 10 o'clock that said, read the card, you know, and I'd pull the card out and read it. And it became really clear to me that reading is thinking, you know, like if I read something, my brain can't tell I'm not thinking it. So it, it became uh, a really important tool to me to uh, carry those thoughts. And then sometime within the next six months, I had a thought that was encouraging, and and so I jotted it down. And I then they started coming more regularly. And one day, sometime maybe two thousand two, the thought occurred to me: I wonder exactly what I mean by that thought. So I sat down to write down the thought, and then really examine what do I mean. And they began to turn into little brief one or two paragraph essays on it. And then I realized that most of the time, the entire essay was the prayer. And uh, I started, um, uh, they just kind of kept adding up and I got maybe somewhere near a hundred. And at some point I shared a couple of them with BJ Gallagher. And I think about four years ago, she called me and she said, do you still have those prayers? I said, yes. And she said, you know, why don't you give them to me? Let's turn them into a book. And I did, and we did. I've written other books, but I've never enjoyed one as much as this one. So it's really pleasing to me,
0: you know i I appreciate you sharing that with me so much, you know, and and sharing that with us, with the audience, because I do think when we go through these devastating times, you know, it was ironically, I was just speaking with someone about the impact of nine eleven. And those mm-hmm. of us, you know, it's very much like when j f k died. you know we can remember exactly what we were doing, where we were. And that it was one of those moments where, for so many of us, it took away that sense of safety. It took away that sense of reality as we knew it. Mm-hmm. There was a distinct before and after.
2: I was on my way to a, a management meeting. I was a manager at a big mental health agency in Stockton, California. And I was on. We had a nine o'clock management meeting that morning, and when it happened, I just realized if the world was going to change. I didn't want to keep doing that work anymore. And so I resigned that morning. You know, I could look back and say, you know, you might want to wait a week.
0: But <laughs> 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 I resigned that morning
2: and it turns out it was the best thing I ever did. Was to resign. So.
0: And sometimes yeah, out of crisis, you know, they say becomes incredible opportunity. Yes. And and that's what I'm hearing happened here. And and part of what I also appreciate Sam is that there are things that at times we lose our faith, we lose our hope. We you know, it's like we lose our compass. I'm so deeply grateful for you to share that journey that it wasn't just like, oh, well then instantaneous a couple of days later I was like, oh, got it all back together. No. This was <laughs> this was a process and a journey. It a
2: yeah. It was yeah. a process and I and one that I wouldn't trade for anything. It was so powerful to to um, have that rebuilding experience. It was it was so powerful. I often think I wish everyone could have that, and then I think I wouldn't wish it on anyone. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's such a it's such a uh, good hard toss up. Toss up.
0: You know? Right, so, right. Yeah. So, how did your prayers change? You know that that's one of the premises in the in the book, and it says you know on on the back cover, you know, change your prayer, change your life. How did you pray pre nine eleven, and how did things change for you in the aftermath?
2: I would say by September tenth, two thousand and one, my prayers were uh, really of of the type that was, wow, I can't believe how good this is. I never. Thought my life was headed here, you know, to this kind of glorious life that I led—a glorious, joyful, happy life—and, uh, um, and, uh, but I, it would be like, wow, I can't believe I'm with the love of my life. I can't believe that I had a spinal injury 15 years earlier, had to change careers, and it just turned out so well you know and uh so i I had a i had a lot of appreciation uh for very specific things i had some experience with debt and by that time i was out of debt kind of couldn't believe i don't mean this to be grandiose but i couldn't believe how much money i had now (laughs) obviously it wasn't that it wasn't that much but in comparison yeah it was it felt incredibly wealthy and then how it, how they changed when I began to get back to prayer was um, probably my most common prayer. Now is just thank you, just that thank you, and I use it. I use it often when I don't understand what's going on, when I get caught off guard, and I have variations of it. In, Wow, I'm really curious what's going on here. Thank you. You know, because I I have this experience of having hard experiences transform. So now when I see that there's one in my face, I already think this is really gonna transform well. So I don't I don't get why it's here, what it's for. Doesn't look very good now, but thank you because I don't have a reason in the world to think that this one's not going to turn out fabulously. So I above all else now those are my prayers is uh, uh to say I'm really curious. I know you got this. Thank you. You know and uh uh tell me what to do. And then I, I have a I have a little one on on days where I feel a little thick I say would you just put bells and whistles on it so I don't miss it. Uh because I I I I have had that experience of where I I get a very clear sense of what to do, but can't put my foot forward, you know, or uh, or I can tell that it's almost in my consciousness, but not quite, you know, and uh, so so I do use that bells and whistles one. I'm willing to miss it because I know that no no harm will come if I get to a message late,
1: you know. Right, so, right.
2: So I'm I'm willing to miss it, knowing I'm going to get it anyway. Uh, But I guess I say put bells and whistles on it really is a declaration of my commitment to live with conscious guidance from a force I can't name.
0: Well, and that's one of the things I I loved um, at the beginning of chapter five. You had this quote from Joseph Campbell where he says, let go of the life that we have planned as to have the life that is waiting for us.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And and I love that. I mean, that that's talking about, you know, the, this whole sense of surrendering and saying, okay, something bigger mm-hmm. than me, something yeah. bigger than me, I'm, I'm going to surrender to that and not try to force my will or my way.
2: Well, I, you know, I, we are human. We do try to force our will and our way. So I, I check in every day and say, at any point in this day that I take over, at any point in this day, did I start to think I was on my own um, at any point in this day Did I think that any aspect of life was doomed? Mm. And um, I just check in because uh, those are the places where I stepped in and took over.
0: Right. Right. And, and so what, what is the gift to us, Sam, when we do surrender? What do you believe the gift is?
2: Peace, joy, a life. Beyond my imagination, uh, excitement, guidance, and as skill develops in following the guidance, a new kind of fulfillment. And then maybe above all of that is the opportunity to be in service, to be guided to service. I wouldn't trade that one. So, um,
0: Yeah. Tell me more about that. Tell me more about uh, that piece.
2: I, I am extraordinarily blessed. Since, since the day I walked away from that job on 9-11, life and prosperity have gone far beyond what I could have imagined. So a, a lot of that is being ready to give. Somebody taught me, not long after that, uh, one of my responses to the 9-11 was I, I so didn't have any thoughts to think. I, I decided I was going to interview millionaires and write a book about it. And uh, so I did. And uh, I asked people, you know, could you direct me to millionaires? And and they were always willing. And I had these 28 questions I asked them. And the very last question I asked was, was there something I should have asked you, but I didn't know to ask you? And the answers were consistent within a very narrow range, which was uh, their answers would be something like, I wish... People had told me about praying sooner, or several of them said, "I wish I had understood giving sooner." And there's a couple of things that these men said to me that have always stuck with me. One was, "I wish I had understood giving sooner." He says, "You know, you can't outgive God." That was a real eye opener to me, and of course, it's been true. I've never, I've never missed a dime of anything I've given. And then another man, he said to me, do you know what it takes for me to give? And I said, I don't know what. He says, they have to ask me. They ask me. I just do it. And uh, I really appreciated that. I just really appreciate it. And a couple of weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, I heard it again. I I went to hear Anne Lamotte speak. And I don't know if you've ever seen her speak, but she can really creatively interrupt herself with thoughts that come in. And and in the middle of one thought, she interrupted herself and said something like, for the love of God, give them money. It's none of your business what they do with it. <laughs> you know? and that was such a, that was just a real, real joy to hear. And it's been, honestly, it's been a relief to give up the job of trying to assess, you know, what are they going to do with this money, <laughs> you know, and uh, and just give it to them. So that's been one way to serve uh, that I really appreciated. And another one, and maybe one of my favorites, is at some point after 9-11, I realized somebody has to be the inviter and that really we live in a world of, of very shy people. And it's not that they don't want to connect. We're just really shy. But somebody has to invite, and I made the decision to be the inviter and uh I now invite people to different forms of community, like I love to cook, so I love to have big dinner parties and invite people to them, and I love to sing, so I have singing circles and uh my wife and I both play and sing so we just invite people over to sing, and it's it's a couple of things that that I I found that people really love. They love to be invited. They love to be in community, and they love to sing, and they love to eat. Yes. You know, so, <laughs> uh, and I'm really good cook. So, uh, so uh, that's a kind of service that I would never have named that service before, uh, but I I totally get it now. That while I used to think that surely people would invite me it came less often than i wanted it to you know so and and it wasn't because i'm not kind or you know fun to be with so it's because people are shy so that's kind of my job now i'm the inviter i can't tell you how grateful i am to be that it's really quite a wonderful role. And I understand it's a service. And it's a service that serves me really well, you know, both to be the person who opens their mouth. And, you know, so I've turned into that guy that, you know, if I walked into a room in a crowd of people, I'm the guy who walks up to everyone and sticks out his hand and says, Hi, I'm Sam Beasley, you know, and, uh, and talks to them. You know, that's a fairly new gift in my life, you know, maybe the last 15 to 20 years. It's come out. And I really appreciate it.
0: Well, I love I love the term the inviter. You know, I would call you a connector. You know, you're one of those people, and and you help people connect not only to you but to each other, and you help them connect to themselves and to feel more comfortable. And and I also I I just appreciate this definition of serving, and that it doesn't have to always be monetarily, and it doesn't have to be grand scale. That actually we we serve each other through invitation, and we serve each other just through kindness.
2: Yes, through kindness. Yeah, the singing one is is I think it seems subtle, but it's really quite big. And that we want to be heard, you know. Mm -hmm. And we're all secret singers and just want to be heard. And it's one of one of my favorite things is to invite somebody to a singing circle, whose first response is, "Oh, I'm too shy." Yeah,
0: you know. Yeah,
2: and then watch them sing, and watch them. Over the course of an evening, just open up and let us hear their voice. You know, it's a great joy to me to do that. And then you can't stop them.
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, once they're in full bloom, it's over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So
2: yeah, it's 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 uh, that voice thing is is really powerful. Yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, and it really it's a it's a uh, it's it's a big invitation people to let us hear them
0: yeah help them to find their voice and something very cool too about the circle about having them then contribute to this collective mm-hmm. because there's something also very powerful about joining your voice with the rest yes yes that i think yeah. is very powerful
2: yeah and we and we 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 do that no solos we
0: <laughs> everybody said
2: <laughs> so and. know uh, it is a, a, a really wonderful thing to sing with people.
0: Well, let me ask you about this from the book. Um one of the things I thought that was powerful too is, you know, and as you talk about nine eleven or we talk about that we all have these terrible events at times that happen in our lives or difficult challenges that we face, and how you I, I guess, and I'm wanting some of your insight and wisdom into how do we move? From fear to faith. How do we make that transition?
2: This is the uh, how do you get to Carnegie Hall question. <laughs> you practice, right, so, right. And, uh, so that that's that's my that's my real answer is yeah, it, it takes commitment and practice. I have my thought life pretty joyous thought life now because I so dislike the opposite that. I was committed to practicing. I would love to wave a wand and have you suddenly walk through your day appreciating every aspect, but I can't. (laughs) I don't have that power. Or at least I haven't found the wand yet. But I, I do know that if one becomes a student of pleasing thought and like a committed student Or almost an athlete in training of uh, where you go to practice every day and think thoughts that serve you and then directly serve the rest of us because it's it's a service to find joy. I, I would say going from fear to faith is really just accepting that we have a role here and we have a role in our thinking and embrace it. Find a way to say to ourselves, I hear those thoughts. I hear those thoughts and I'm thinking, um, I see what they're doing to me, and I choose something other than that. And then practice. And, it, you know, it, it feels foreign at first, and then a little less foreign, and a little less foreign, and then it feels routine, and then, like in my experience, then the thoughts start to self-generate. I don't have to look at a crepe myrtle and bloom and and think to myself, "Now that's probably really beautiful." I should think that's really beautiful. I look at it and go, "Wow, that's beautiful." <laughs> you know, it just yeah. so it goes from foreign, strange, yeah. in, new experience to the actual experience.
0: Yeah,
2: you know of um, there's real possibility here, you
0: know. Well, it just it sounds like it just becomes familiar.
2: It becomes familiar, yeah. yeah. And and it becomes first nature.
0: Yes, yeah. So, yeah. You know, and so I think that's interesting too as you are speaking about that. It made me think about, you know, how our brain is hardwired, how we have this natural negativity bias that's trying to keep us safe. And so that's when we go through scary things like 911, and our, you know, fight yes. or flight gets triggered. Yeah. It really does take we, you know, some intentional work mm-hmm. and commitment. Like like you were saying, it's the power of consistency to say, well, I'm not going to just leave my brain on automatic pilot. Mm-hmm. Instead, I am going to make the commitment to show up daily and say, even if I don't believe this right at this moment, I'm I want to plant, if you will, these mm-hmm. thoughts. And I want higher thinking thoughts. I want thoughts that will serve me. And I continue to work on planting that until those start to take root. And then yeah. what blooms is what you're talking about, this first nature then of, wow, I'm, I'm actually, I don't have to think I'm appreciating this. I am appreciating this.
2: Yes. It, it, so exciting things, uh, the, in my experience, the first reaction to them is, oh, that's exciting. You know, instead of, instead of, oh, my God, what did I commit to, you know, and, uh, and then kind of come around, have to get into it to discover the excitement, you know. It's more common now for me to recognize an exciting thing as exciting, you know, before I have, before I jump into it and prove it. I so I do think it's as simple as practice. And I know that that isn't always simple. It's one of the things. One of the things I know about prayer is conscious or unconscious, they tend to be repetitive. Right. Um, um, you know, we don't just think. You know, our, we have these we have these colloquialisms. You know, day late and a dollar short, things like that. That we don't think of those as prayers, but it's a pretty laser focused message. And when people say it, they usually mean it. You know, and they're going to say it again, and they've already said it five hundred times. Uh, I'm I'm saying they, but I mean we. <laughs> We've already done that, and uh, so uh, so. Uh, from what I can tell about prayers, is they tend to be repeated, joyful or regretful. They tend to be repeat, repeated, and conscious or unconscious, they tend to be repeated. And uh, so I think there's a clue in that, you know, that the so the answer it is the Carnegie whole thing, practice, right? You know, repeat, repeat, repeat. You know, so you know. It, it's that simple and that hard right. you know, To, to, to surrender to consciously choosing what to repeat.
0: So many times it's this subconscious habitual thoughts that we've had over and over and over again that we don't even realize those have become the prayers of our life. Yes. Like, you know, like life is hard or things are difficult or I can never get ahead or whatever it is. And we don't even realize we're setting that up for ourselves. And then that's really the life that we're living. Are there any, you know, and, and I'm really hearing, and, and I've, that's my experience too in my life is practice, 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 is what's going to get us all not only to Carnegie Hall, but to a more joyful place in our lives. Yes, for joy. Yeah. yeah. Are there specific tools that you would suggest for because part of it is, yeah, of course, number one, becoming aware of the thoughts that you're thinking. Mm -hmm. But are there some things that you would suggest like working on something first thing in the morning or like you said, writing things down really helps or reading certain things? What are the tools that you find most effective in helping to change these thoughts?
2: Uh, It it does involve the morning. (laughs) And uh, I have two little processes I do every every morning. I Write down four things I appreciate. And it's not random. It's one person, one thing, one feeling, and one action. And uh, just, just what do I appreciate? So on my list today, you're the person. And, uh, I appreciate this experience. And then I write down what I'm looking forward to in the day. And uh, I could wait to the end of the day and say, well, was any of it worth living? But I, I'm human, you know. If I if I wait to the end of the day, I'll probably go, nah, nothing. It wasn't that special. <laughs> but if I if I start the day by saying, what am I looking forward to today? It sets up this anticipatory energy, and it kind of tells me in advance that there's a day worth living waiting for me.
1: As women, we've all had life experiences that have brought us to our breaking point. These experiences have molded us and the way we see the world. We believe that no matter the experience, you are not broken. It's possible to find strength in the cracks and imperfections. That is where our true beauty lies. Hi, I'm Dr. Natalie Phillips, host of Connecting a Better World, here on NOCO-FM. And I'd like to invite you to join me at a very special event. Unbreakable Finding Strength in Imperfection is a two-day event with hands-on activities, keynote speakers, and many more adventures planned. Join me for a weekend full of connection, growth, renewal, and stepping forward in your life. This is not your typical conference. Unbreakable Finding Strength in Imperfection is September 6th and 7th, 2019 at the La Quinta Inn and Suites in Loveland, Colorado. Learn more and get your ticket at noco.fm slash unbreakable. That's noco.fm slash unbreakable. Hope to see you there.
2: And, uh, so those two exercises, the the four appreciations, and then what am I looking forward to? Make all the difference in the world to me. And they are prayers. You know, the what am I looking forward to is a prayer for, um, you know, thank you for this life worth living. You know, thank you for this life worth living. I, you know, and I, I don't always even know who I'm thanking. I don't actually feel the need to know. <laughs> um, but... I do choose to be thankful, you know. And sometimes it's little things like um this week I've been getting to chauffeur my daughter around she had laser surgery on her eyes and so I've been her chauffeur and it's been wonderful. You know, I always want to make her life easier, you know, and, and uh it's just been a great way to do it and a great way to actually offer her something, you know, that was useful to her. And uh so each day I've been looking forward to Oh I get to I get to drive Marina to her doctor's appointment today or I get to take her grocery shopping or whatever it was you know just uh um it was a um a joyful thing and yesterday morning um I got to see a new granddaughter and it was really it was no question what I was looking forward to you know I was looking forward to holding that little girl mm-hmm. I, a lot of times I I'll, I'll try singing to grandchildren and uh and see how that goes and and uh so I hadn't had a chance to do that with her. Well, this is only the second time I've seen her, and um, and so I did. I, I sang Stardust, the whole Hozie Carmichael song to her, and she just had the most extraordinary smile when she heard oh. me start singing.
0: <laughs>
2: it was glorious, you know, glorious. <laughs> this this gorgeous little face, uh, um, and you know I. You probably know that she's absolutely the most beautiful grandchild in the world. Of course. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, (laughs) so, uh, uh, yeah, those things, you know, I don't know if they would work for everyone, but I can tell you they're worth trying, and I suspect they would work for at least 99% of the people.
0: Absolutely.
2: And boy, did they work for me.
0: When we start our morning with a sense of gratitude, like you're saying, just just the simple words. If our only prayer was "thank you," that would be enough. Oh yeah, you know. But oh, to but yeah. to but to really intentionally direct our day, and I think too to have this sense of you know anticipation and kind of planning what I'm going to be excited about during the day. I, I heard it somewhere where the universe, whatever we want to call this, the universe always says yes. Yes. Yeah. So whether our thoughts are oh you know today's going to be really cruddy or I'm dreading this you know the universe is like yes yes you will
2: <laughs> Yeah I I think about that a lot it's like um I I could just imagine sitting down with a divine entity and saying yeah this really this is really awful and the divine entity is saying well okay I had something better planned for you but okay you know if, really? if that's that's your stance here, okay? You know, <laughs> you know, um, we're we're almost pre-telling the divine. Here's the deal, you know, this sucks,
0: right? <laughs> you know? And they're like, it's, yes, it does. Yeah,
2: instead of you know, my favorite vision of prayer would it'd be great to sit on a park bench next to God and turn to him and say, dude, what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and actually ask. I mean, ask. Yeah, not as a, yeah. Ask what were you thinking? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. And that re- that reminds me of something. Uh, there is another tool that we ask these questions. That the questions themselves pretty much mean this is awful. Like, oh, what's the point? We have these questions like that. What difference does it make? And uh, so, a tool that I've really found is. We must answer the question we we really, if we hear ourselves saying, "What's the point?" answer it, yeah, answer the question, don't don't accept the question as the prayer because um, uh, it's pretending that there isn't a point, but there is
1: there you
2: know, is uh, you know the point is to take a step forward. Right. the point is it's worth it, and the point is even if what i'm looking at doesn't look that good the point is to get to the other side of it move it out of the way just move it out of the way and get beyond it so that's a uh, that's one that i i really embraced kind of late in life well you know everything i do is late in life (laughs) (laughs) Um, but i've kind of embraced it late in life and and i really appreciate that but i heard myself asking questions that were really declarations that things weren't okay. You yeah. know, you know, we don't go around saying, wow, why am I so lucky? You know? <laughs> right. Don't, don't ask that question. You know, <laughs> they say, ah, what's the point? You
0: know. Last year, I went to a workshop in L.A. with this woman named nyurka and she was a trainer for Tony Robbins. She was like the youngest one on his team. This has been years and years ago, 30 years ago. at at the age of 19. And she was the first one that actually brought exactly what you're talking about to light for me, which was, we need to look at the quality of our questions. Yeah. So, I mean, so to even piggyback on what you're saying, I'm really hearing that. And I love that when you hear yourself asking a negative question, come up with a positive answer, come up with a more hopeful answer, but also maybe even reword the question and change your question. Because that's, you know, it's a very different day of like, oh, uh, you know, why do I have to go to work to like, how is it that I'm making this money today? You know, or, you know, what do I have to look forward to today? That's going to change the way our brain is processing it, what we're focusing on and, and what then, as you said, what we're praying for.
2: Yeah, the work one, I I, I do have one um, that I, I say about that. I, I I say now, now, how am I going to use this money to have fun?
0: Oh, I love that.
2: Cause it it's easy to say, we're going to work, but we're going to work for a reason, you know, and, uh, and most of the time it's money, and if there's not an answer to how am I going to use this money to have fun, then talk to people who have money <laughs> you know, right get some, get some input other than your own, you know um because it when when money itself becomes defeating, you know day late and a dollar short, what's the point, you know uh when money becomes defeating, and I, I don't, I don't actually mean money directly, but money and all that it represents. You know, when yeah. that becomes defeating, then there's a misunderstanding going on, you know, about about what it is and what it's for, and how to use it to fund your values. So yeah, that that one, uh, uh, I remember that. So um, I have diverse work. Um, I have a variety of businesses, and uh, and sometimes they can seem a little overwhelming. And and just a hint of that thought—no, you know, hint of the thought—I don't want to do this. What difference does it make? You know, it is really powerful, and and uh, and it makes all the difference in the world to say, oh, "Wait a minute, why am I doing this?" And then answer the question. And the answers are: I love to give people jobs. You know, people. People want to support themselves, you know, and, and I love to give them jobs. I know exactly how I use money. And I know that it serves others and gives me a great life. You know, I was born in 1950, so I'm I'm thrown to want to make sure that my wife, Suzanne, is taken care of, you know, and it lets me do that, you know, and uh, it lets me be at peace about that to say, now, really, does she have enough to live a long life, you know, and say yes. Is enough to live a long life. It's a powerful tool to hear that, oh, I have to go to work today and turn it into, and here's the value of it. You know? Yeah. Here's here's what it's supporting. You know? Here's what I've chosen. It can really morph into the most extraordinary prayer by looking at the question and really Mm -hmm. examining it, you know? Or looking at the declaration and really examining it, you know, saying, is that true? I don't know about you, but I I could pretty much say if I'm asking that kind of question, it's never true. Never. You know, those questions, what's the point? You know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I don't want to go to work. Those kinds of statements. What I wrote about before I, what my previous books have been about is money. My wife is a LCSW, and um, I'm in a counselor, and and we wrote two books about financial compulsivity. One for therapists to help them recognize it when their clients are struggling financially, and then one's a workbook for the clients. And we wrote them because we came out of a past of not realizing that the ideal use of money is to support conscious values. (laughs) and uh we had probably, like most people, we had been raised to have it support needs or presumed needs. you know, my wife and I would both say we we came from we were- raised by people from the depression who who had an underlying belief that uh, it doesn't matter what you want, you know do the wise thing, and we managed to Find our way beyond that, i um, uh, really want to want it to support people and taking a look at that, you know, because it's a, you know, it's a handful of things that if you could change them, make a vast difference, and that happens to be one of them, you know, is one's one's relationship to work and money,
0: definitely, and those tend to be when I have people come into my own therapy office, those are two of the biggies, mm-hmm. so I I get it. So, Sam, as we are starting to get ready to wrap up here, I want to make sure, what, what is the essential message that you want to make sure that our audience hears today about the importance of your life as your prayer?
2: I would say the essential message is whether we realize it or not, we're praying. We have the opportunity to choose what those prayers are. A give you a definition of prayer it's it's laser focused thought that's conscious or unconscious focused outwardly or inwardly i don't think that matters and it's repetitive so using that definition is it's going on you know and uh um and how do you know what you're praying for just take a look at your life you know and if you find some joy in it then you could say, well, I must be praying some joyful prayers. And if it's all miserable, there's a pretty good chance that it is a reflection of your thinking. And I don't in any way mean that there aren't some hard things going on out there, because there are.
0: Sure.
2: And there is an opportunity to get beyond them. So if I could invite anyone to make a change, it would be to. For example, set a time, three thirty every day. And sit down with a pad and a pen, pad of paper and a pen, and listen and jot down what you hear. And embrace it, good or bad. Embrace it and say, "So that's what's going on there." You know, <laughs> is this working? What's it getting me? And uh, and uh, is it getting me what I hope? And if it is, God bless you, and call me because I want to talk to you. So, uh, and if it isn't, um, ask. Do what I did. Get some, borrow some thoughts from other people. You know. Yes. And uh, if you see somebody who's smiling, just just say, "What makes you smile?" And think that thought. You know. And if you see somebody who's walking down the street and dancing, you know. Let's say, what thoughts are creating that joy, and think those thoughts. And uh, so, so it, it, it's it's what I'd say is, no matter what one's relationship might be to a divine entity or God or the universe or a higher power, no matter what that relationship is, laser focused repetitive thought is prayer. And if prayer doesn't feel right, it's chanting and chanting is powerful prayer is powerful so um there is a time in my life where if you had said to me what i just said to you i would have scoffed at it because i actually wasn't willing to have faith um, um, i i probably was an anti-faith elitist or something like that you know <laughs> or or i was afraid to have faith because mm-hmm. what if i was wrong and so I've told my kids now, when I die, if they give me a gravestone, just engrave on it "wrong but happy." <laughs> and uh, so, so uh, it's kind of what I say. We're we're going to go through life one way or another, you know. And uh, and uh, it, happy's good, you know. Yeah. And love is good. And joy is good. And appreciation is good. They, they feel good. They're powerful. Now they're not more powerful than this sucks. But they're as powerful, so that's that's kind of what I'd say is, um, every minute or in some form of prayer, uh, I can I'll give you one simple little example. I used to uh, yell at people in the fast lane who weren't driving as fast as I wanted to, and now I thank them um, for for um, uh, helping supporting me in my commitment to drive within the law uh, to, um, get me to where I'm going at the actual divine time Mm -hmm. versus I thought I should get there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and to save me from an event that was, that's coming up ahead that I don't know about, but because they're driving slower, I won't be there when it happens. (laughs) So, so it was, it's a transformation that turned driving from a kind of a miserable experience to, Community and uh, to being in it together, and it makes all the difference in the world. I love driving you now because I, I, I really now experience it more as a kind of a dance. I'm uh, very joyful. So that, Great that was example the em, Embrace this, you know. Embrace that we're thinking. We are up for bringing consciousness to it. Yes, and it's worth it.
0: Well, Sam, thank you so much for sharing this time with us. This is just a, a great message. And if people want to find your book, how can they find your life is your prayer?
2: Well, it's um, it's in the um, online's like um, uh, Barnes and Noble, um, Amazon, uh, Amazon UK, uh, Amazon Canada. You know, there it's in those places. Quite quite available. Wonderful. And. uh, and, um, uh worth it. And and I can tell you, joy is imbued in it.
0: I can feel it when I read it. I I literally have had this since you sent it to me right beside my nightstand. Mm -hmm. And so I love it, because you can open it up and you can just pick a page. It doesn't have to go in order, or you can read a whole chapter. And every time I open it, I find some other gift inside of it. So thank you, Sam.
2: Do you mind if I I read my favorite prayer
0: oh please awesome way to end it yes
2: Uh, vanish the ticking clock there is time to love if a timer chimes make it time to sing when i'm rushing around make me rush to serve and when i look back in time may i look back in love
0: It's just like Thich Nhat Hanh said, spiritual practice is not just sitting and meditating. Practice is looking, thinking, touching, drinking, eating, and talking. Every act, every breath, and every step can be practice and help us to become more ourselves. My interview with Sam Beasley was so interesting. And I absolutely agree that what we focus on and what we think about all day, the choices that we make, These are the things that are going to show up in our lives. So the awesome part of that as well is that we can choose right here and right now to make a different choice for ourselves. We can stop and look at what do we want in our lives? Not what we don't want, but using, again, that positive present tense language to really state this is what I want to create in my life. And you can write those things down. You can repeat them daily. So they start to sink into your subconscious mind. And little by little, you can see your dreams start to become reality. Remember, The Spark is your show too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, we'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com and on Facebook Instagram and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain on KRFC Fort Collins 88.9 FM, and podcast episodes are released the same day. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NoCo Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James.